0: Hey, Cast chasers! Christina here. We'll start the show in just a moment, but first we wanted to tell you about a new, award-winning, four-grain straight bourbon whiskey that's been taking the market by storm, Penelope Bourbon. Penelope's balanced yet flavorful taste profile comes from a unique blend of three bourbon mash bills. Currently available in three expressions, four-grain, barrel strength, and toasted, Penelope is remarkably smooth and flavorful. So whether you're sipping neat or using it in your favorite cocktail, Penelope is perfect for you. Penelope Bourbon is available in select markets as well as online at PenelopeBourbon.com. Hey, it's Katie. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. to start off with you since you're physically in the studio with me okay what's up buddy i'm doing well yeah I'm
1: doing well yeah um super stoked that you got that baby out of your system and you can drink with us again <laughs> i that's, like how you, you
0: said it like like i purged a virus or something like
1: I, it's not unlike <laughs> that it's not unlike purging a virus so <laughs> that's
0: true that. yeah depending on who you're talking to mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense um bobby can you hear us from way out there
2: I'm, 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 I can hear you very well, actually. Lovely. Too well, if I'm being candid.
0: (laughs) You don't want these delectable voices in your ear right now?
2: I'm sick. So I have a cold and I'm milking it. So I'm here (laughs) and I won't be, I won't be drinking. I don't feel like drinking, to be honest. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There's people that I know that are like, they'll get a cold or something and they'll, like Dan's like that he'll our friend Dan he'll drink he'll like I ah, just give myself a glass of whiskey I'm like who can drink that's a strength that I don't have so um <laughs> but I, I am I'm gonna I, I look forward to watching whatever is about to happen happen so yeah. that's a good time well,
1: and so so you know uh Pat uh one of the one of the reasons that Bobby decided he was he was not going to show up with his sick self is Katie recently had a baby and the baby is here with us in the in the recording studio now. So, so, oh, she'll make on. an appearance. Apparently, apparently, my wife is walking over with the baby right now.
0: I, I asked oh, Christina if she wanted to hold her.
3: Baby, hello, little baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're podcast She's daycare. Like, That's right, pod, podcast daycare. No extra charge. <laughs> no.
3: Changing the Bobby business model to be a super spreader. That's oh, right. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, exactly.
2: I'd have given it to Katie and Aaron, but not the baby. I wouldn't do that to yeah, that, yeah, The baby you She's an innocent. I've
3: been, I've been everywhere. We're, we're like all the best places to get coronavirus, and I somehow I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs>
1: all the best
4: places. <laughs> well, He's a
3: catalog. Where spot. can I get <laughs> them?
4: Yeah.
1: Seeking
2: it out. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's good. Right. No, I am
3: fully vaccinated, and I just got my booster, so I haven't been taking that very seriously.
2: Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, no, we're all vaccinated. Um, even our event, which sounds like you're coming to, um, yeah. which is awesome. Uh, everybody's vaccinated for that too. Um, Mary kelly's coming and that was like our first question i was like yeah everybody's vaxxed um it's a small venue 50 people because of all that and everything so no i actually had the test and uh, i'm 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 clean i don't have any of
1: it he didn't even study for it
2: no i didn't even study they have a home kit you can buy and i called the va and i was like what's the difference between the rapid test and the home kit versus the pv whatever the three-day and they're like well the home kit and the rapid are pretty much the same thing but he was so like like, upset about the rapid test. I'm thinking, all right, I'll I'll let you go shove this full whatever thing happened. So I went and got the three day, so it's more aggressive, I guess. It was also the to... VA
1: that you were talking to. So I mean And they know what's up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very efficient from what I've
2: heard. They did call me three days later and say, What are we looking for? I'm like <laughs> <laughs> They're like, know. So we think you're pregnant, and you're like,
1: nah. Uh, yeah. That's, That's wrong, wrong.
2: Patient. So
1: <laughs> oh my goodness right.
3: I was flying back from Europe uh, probably a month or two ago and I had been exposed to some people that, mm. that were positive for it and I was very concerned that I you know, I didn't want to get a, a positive test or I'd have been stranded over there for another couple weeks so I had already made a promise to myself I was going if, if I got a positive test I was going to see how many tests it takes to get a false negative and uh, get my ass back to the United States <laughs> But uh, <laughs> i love that you at like st- with
0: the statistical angle. Like, one of these has got to yep, be like, <laughs> net no,
3: one positive, two positive, three positive, four negative. All right. <laughs> now, like, how many licks does it take to that? I was like, I, I got to go home. I'm sorry, people. I was already looking it up, like. Okay, if I if I'm positive, I think I can get a Carnival cruise from Sweden <laughs>
4: to Iceland. And
3: then I'll get a Viking ship from there to Alaska, and then I'll get a car. You know, I mean, I was like planes, it all trains, back. and like, how automobiles. and I get back? Yet?
2: There's people right now in the industry that are that have been stuck in Scotland for like two years. Like this, like I there's some there's some blenders and stuff that I know that are like. They haven't even left their house in two mm-hmm. years. They haven't left their house.
1: I mean, like Isla cool. shut down. You couldn't even yeah. get from Isla to the mainland oh, in Scotland. That's it's it's wild, that.
0: But it could be yeah. decimated because it's a pretty small population yeah, over there oh, too. Yeah, right? yeah man. Um, Bobby, I thought you were going to say you just wanted to highlight your sweet hat that you're wearing. You want to tell us about it? I Feel like it's, it's related to what we're talking hat. about?
1: I don't know if they're available yet. They're not available. That particular uh, one is not available yet. No. Yeah, yeah, it's a cask chaser's hat. I
2: normally wear. And it's not just because uh, you know the great Dr. Heist is here, but I normally wear my wilderness trail hat. That's very true. Um, mm-hmm. But I wear it so much, it's it's I got to get a new one. It's 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 seen some things. Um, so so you know I like hats. So I decided to wear this one. I really wanted to wear that one as kind of a. The one time I don't wear it, he's on the show. So that's
1: and it's not like you didn't know he was on the show. Like,
2: no, the hat's just I have to order a new one. Yeah. I got
1: the hat and I'm like, it's God, you wear this hat. thing too much. It's a sweet yeah. hat though. Like it's that's really great. probably one of my one of my favorite caps uh, I've seen. Is that one you
2: got. <laughs> <from> <laughs> it's actually what I modeled this, this hat after? The same style because mm-hmm. I think we're going to do like fitted hats and they have this whole um, snapback thing and I love it.
1: Yeah, so. I dig it too. I dig it too. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, but, excellent.
0: Well, you've you've hinted at it and we've heard them, so let's just get into this with the one and only Dr. Pat Heist from Wilderness Trail Distillery. What's up, Dr. Pat?
3: Well, just another day (laughs) in paradise here at Wilderness.
0: Sorry, I was very enthusiastic with that. It's been a year since we've had... Pat on, and we actually and longer and
1: longer since people have actually heard him. because yeah. I and you know the our our listen our our faithful listeners will know that there was a, a time where we lost. I Bobby was it five episodes that we lost, something like that. About five, about five good episodes, five too. good episodes that just won't see the light of day ever because mm-hmm. they just they just disappeared, and now we don't ever record on fewer than three medias because that terrified us and that was like you know almost a month and a half worth of content just out the window um so we had a fantastic uh conversation with pat uh, about a year ago that no one will ever hear i mean it was enjoyable for us for sure Mm -hmm. um it's just uh it's gone out the window and pat pointed out earlier well i mean we can talk about the same stuff we don't have to worry about us not repeating stuff so that's good (laughs) so um but no, I'm super, super stoked to have Pat here. Um, one, one, of, one of my favorite people that we've talked to, and probably the biggest brain I know, is just it, it just knows so much stuff. And I it, it when when Pat when Pat talks, you should shut up and listen. Which Bobby and I don't know how to do. <laughs> so there's that. But no, I'm super stoked to have you on, Pat.
3: Well, I'm flattered. <laughs>
2: little words i like it Mm -hmm. um i got so much i want to talk to you about though to be honest with you um we have another guest coming on and for the listeners out there later on but for the listeners out there you know obviously patrick ice is with wilderness trail and we've talked about it before but if we can get into that a little bit you know the kind of evolution of that but your beginning was in microbiology and you got into yeast and yeast production we have a guest coming on later that has a um they're from anora whiskey and um they are using a pre-prohibition yeast strain um that they've uh, i think alan bishop revived are you aware of that everything yeah. all of that how yeah. that happened yeah. Yeah. i i told roy from anora that i was going to talk to you about it and just kind of see your point of view and i'm, I'm so interested on that's not the only time somebody's done that. There's a lot of cool stuff happening in microbiology, yeasts and bacteria that's being reinvented or revived and things like that. What does that mean to revive a yeast strand? Not to jump right into the nerdism, but I've got to know just for it's just it's the it's it's just been stuck. Is it mind. like I, tapping play, into a Drew. mosquito
0: in amber? That's what I want to know. How close uh, to Jurassic it, Park yeah, are we?
2: Yeah, yeah. I assume you find an old one and you wake it up and you're like, here we go. That's that, and that's the end of it,
4: right?
3: <laughs> Well, the thing is, you know, it, it, it's not like you're bringing something that was dead back to life again. So if the yeast is alive, either it's been in cryogenic storage for, you know, however long, which you can hold microorganisms almost indefinitely in cryogenic storage. But if it, you know, when people say they revived a yeast strain, like a lot of t- there's several ways that I've seen that happen. One of them is, and I think this is what uh, Alan Bishop and those folks did, was to to set out what are called yeast traps. So you take and you, you let's say you set out mash, for example, in a field where you know there was a an old distillery, and that mash becomes contaminated with the yeast that are you know local to that area, and then once it starts growing, then you're able to culture it out of there, and and so again that's so the word reviving might be a little bit strong because really in that case, you're just getting a yeast that is local to that area. OK, now a, a, a couple times we've been involved with with kind of forensic type of yeast recovery, like probably one of the best examples that's public information was where we helped Limestone Branch, Steve Beam over there. They brought like uh, their old whiskey jug, their old family whiskey jug. He just goes over to the Oscar Getz Whiskey Museum over in Bardstown. It's like, hey, I need to borrow my Beam family jug here for a little bit. And he brought it over to Firm Solutions. And we tried culturing living organisms out of it. And we were unsuccessful, which we kind of expected being dried out for a hundred or however many years. But what we were able to do is We were able to retrieve biological residues like some old dried up mash that was on the cap or something. We took those residues, extracted DNA, sequenced the nucleotide sequence for that DNA, and then we were able to match using bioinformatics, match that DNA sequence up to another strain that was in our collection. So we've got a collection of over 9,000 yeast strains, and we've got a database of a lot of the uh, genetic information for those strains. So that's another way to revive an old yeast strain. So we didn't like bring something back to life. We just determined what does this strain look like based on DNA, and then we matched it up to a strain that we had cultured more recently, and that's ha- and that's the strain they use over there. So, there's a lot of ways of looking at it. But, you know, if you, you know, when people talk about old yeast, like if you look at like an old scotch distillery that's been using the same yeast over time, or even some of the big Kentucky bourbon producers, you know, it started, it's very likely that the yeast today is different than it was 20, 30 years ago, because there, it's like, it's like if you say, what is your great great grandfather to the 20000th power you know is that mm. you no it's a it's a generations later on and each generation things change a little bit now we reproduce sexually yeast in fermentation reproduce asexually so there's not as much genetic like crossing over and all these other things but those are some examples of when people say reviving yeast that I can relate to.
1: Gotcha. So if somebody's saying that they revived a yeast strain, it's it's not so much that like it's they 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 found it in a cave somewhere and it was in a sarcophagus it's, like a vampire. Right? Is that yeah, where you're going? Yeah, with yeah, like Dracula? yeah. That, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. It's, <laughs> it's more. It's more like. There, there, there is this yeast strain that we've now identified. That maybe something similar to it, or its great, great granddaddy, was being used at some point, and now we're putting it back into circulation with our product. Basically, that's right. Okay, yeah. cool. I. I'm, I'm happy when I can dissect what, what Pat says and, and understand it. I, you know, and that, that's, ha- that's half of my conversations with Pat is him saying something and me going, make, let me make sure I understand this in, in my brain. And he and he goes, that's right. And then he pats me on the head and I feel better.
3: If you guys know... Well, if you don't understand it, then I didn't do a good job. There you go. There you go. Let's re-ask the question if I don't get the point across. <laughs> awesome.
0: The reason I love our conversation so much, and this is only my second time being a part of a conversation with you, but... Bobby and Erin and I have talked about it plenty of times. When we talk to Pat, I feel like I'm back in college. I studied art and biology. And basically, my way of, like, translating everything was to make cartoons in my bio class. Sure. And it just, I mean, as we're talking through, just all these ideas popping you off. You should see You're these very pictures good of
1: you that she's got draw- drawn here, Pat. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: How often, like, have you ever encountered a strain of yeast or, or maybe, like, um biological matter that you weren't able to revive because maybe it just couldn't I don't know survive in this setting I mean it, it's just that old because it was adapted to the environment then and now it's just like can't hack it
3: Yeah absolutely we've been involved with uh you know some of these old distilleries here in Kentucky um that they have been revived uh, there's probably one in particular that you can probably guess uh, what which one it was, but we went in there and did some cutting around on the piping that existed, and we attempted to do the same thing we did for Steve Bean, but we just were unsuccessful. So either the there the material wasn't there, or it was degraded to the point to where we couldn't do anything with it, et cetera, et cetera. But there have been times where I mean that's that's a very delicate process, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's not
4: always something that you can be
3: successful at.
4: Haida, I'm going to say a word to you that I don't think I've said before. Oh. Umeshu. Oh. Yes. I do not know this word. So umeshu is uh, a Japanese spirit. Mm-hmm. It's basically a, a plum wine Okay. that's fortified either with whiskey or with brandy. I like what I'm hearing. Right? It's fresh. It's fruity we import a brand called Matsui and they have two umeshu's, okay? A whiskey one and a brandy one, both bottled at 14% alcohol. Wonderful by itself, wonderful on the rocks, but also really lovely with a little bit of that Damask Rose Herb Garden gin. Oh. I've done a 50/50 with that and nice. it's glorious. So I'm going to put that on our summer cocktail list. You cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Guess what? what? Chicken butt. No. Impact's Beverages. Yes. Proud sponsor of Cast Chasers Podcast. You know it. Now, I will
3: say there have been a couple of times where, you know, we've got customers from a particular distillery that, that cultured their own yeast, like set yeast traps out. And then they've been culturing it over and over. And they want us to manufacture it into an active dried form where they can just rip a bag open and dump it out instead of like you know culturing colonies yeah. to a plate and to a test tube and a beaker and a carboy and all that stuff to build up the inoculum um so so then then we then we're asking questions about that yeast strain like how did you culture it well we set out yeast traps and it's like okay what do you mean it's like oh well we made up a mash in you know in a lab or whatever and then we took it outside and we put it outside and we waited for something to get going in there And then I'm like, well, did you keep half of it back in the lab to see if it like got going by itself? You know, like make your mash that you're going to use for your yeast trap, set it out, but also leave one behind where you put plastic over the top kind of as a control. Because if yeast grows into one that you never took outside, then it's coming from the grain and not from where you put put the trap. And so that's one major fail that almost anybody that does that, when you remind them, like, hey, did you leave one back at the lab like as a control to see if something grew in it? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, dang, I didn't do that. Did I need to do that? See in their head, they're like, oh, shit, I just cultured whatever was growing in that (laughs) grain. (laughs) I I found this (laughs)
0: thousand-year-old yeast. Just kidding. Forgot the control.
3: (laughs) And there's no way to verify it, you know, so it's kind of, you know. Now, you know, it's pretty risky trying to cultivate just that normal – strains from the environment because you know companies like firm solutions you know we supply yeast to 600 or so breweries and distilleries there are very specific differences between strains that you know there's probably six or eight different characteristics that you want or don't want in a strain that you make beer from versus a strain that you're going to use to make distilled spirits versus a strain you're gonna make fuel alcohol or hard seltzer or rum, you know, because you're fermenting sugar, molasses, grains. So there are differences there with beer or like Scotch and Irish whiskeys, you're fermenting a clear wort, so you're laddering Mm -hmm. the grains prior to fermentation. In bourbon production, everybody leaves the grains in for fermentation as well as distillation. So there are some very big differences between beer distilled spirits etc etc and then there's yeast strains for each of those so if you're just trying to catch a yeast in the environment the chances of it doing what you need it to do are pretty minuscule so you know there's there's also kind of that aspect of it
0: I love the visual uh like when I think of yeast I I think about it like you said like dried in a packet more for bake you know baking purposes or something versus setting yeast traps and looking for yeast in the wild and hunting yeast. Like now yeast is just like in dune, like the sandworms. That's now how I'm envisioning <laughs> yeast. So thank you for that detail. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> All
1: right, so Pat, real quick, just for, um, our list guy, uh, obviously we've gotten a lot of, a lot more listeners since the first time you were on that we were actually able to record it and release it. Could you just real quick go over, um, Wilderness Trail versus Firm Solutions, and mm-hmm. sort of what those things Because I mean, we're, we're diving pretty heavy into the science, which I love, but just uh, from so that people know, uh, a lot of people are going to know you um, we have from some new Wilderness listeners, Trail. Though. But like, mm-hmm. could you explain Firm Solutions and sort of how you wear multiple hats and go from there?
3: Kind of a why should I believe this asshole? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, right. I
1: know why to believe this asshole, <laughs>
4: but.
3: Uh-huh. So yeah, uh firm solution. So my background, I'm a, you know, I have a, a bachelor's degree in microbiology and I have master's and PhDs in plant pathology. So I started off, you know, a lot of people ask, how'd you become a distiller? When did you know, you know, it's like about the day we started our distillery. That's <laughs> one of the first days I knew we were going to have a distillery. Uh, but early on, you know, my PhD was in plant pathology. So I used to work with, Uh, University of Kentucky is where I got all my degrees and I worked with agricultural extension there. And so the extension professors at the University of Kentucky work with the extension agents in all the counties with, uh, you know, helping farmers with micro problems relating to microbial disease, the field crops. And so I did a lot of work in grain crops, turf grasses, um, tobacco and vegetable crops, which are big here in Kentucky. And so I got a lot of plant experience and how microorganisms cause diseases in plants. But strangely, my first job out of graduate school, I landed a job as a medical microbiology professor at a medical school in Eastern Kentucky. So, you know, going from plant pathogens to human microbiology, I learned a lot of really cool things that became valuable when we started our business. So while I was a medical micro professor over in Pikeville, Kentucky, um, I started consulting for companies that do what Firm Solutions does, which market yeast and fermentation products to distilleries. And at that time, we were more focused on fuel alcohol because fuel... Distilleries are huge. They, they ferment corn and they they distill it just like whiskey, except they're trying to make 200 pure, proof pure alcohol that you're going to blend into gas to boost the octane. Mm. So and those those uh, distilleries are very sophisticated compared to f- beverage alcohol distilleries. So I learned a lot about, you know, what types of methodologies do they use to, you know, figure out yield you know how much alcohol am i making per bushel of grain and the dynamics between fuel alcohol which is 100 corn versus bourbon production where you've got a combination of different grains you know there's a lot of, of, of similarities and a lot of differences so we kind of bridged took some of that high technology from what we learned with fuel alcohol distilleries and we bridged it over into distilled spirits So one thing we learned early on about being a yeast provider, so we, so firm solutions came about in 2006, my business partner, Shane Baker, he's a mechanical engineer and he's got uh, experience working for fortune 500 companies, a lot of operations experience. Um, He was in venture capital. So he knows about, you know, how to raise money and all that kind of stuff. So we started firm solutions 2006, and uh, basically, two dudes driving around beat up uh, Maxima, trying to sell yeast to buy a hamburger, and and, and it the the business worked <laughs> that, out really
1: well. That old classic we were, tale,
3: right? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. We got pictures of staying in shitty hotels all over the place, where you pick the iron up and the whole damn bottom falls out. Of I need
0: it. I need a, that detail on the about us section of the wilderness trail website.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't. We start more in a in a better place, but <laughs> uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun. So what we learned early on, if you're going to be a yeast provider, you better get ready to take the blame for every problem that a brewery or mm. distillery has. So if that fermenter is not bubbling, the yeast provider is the one that gets the phone call. Hey, man, this damn yeast isn't working. And then if you want to keep the business, you got to start, okay, let's let's think about this. What are you fermenting? Is it grain? Is it sugar? Is it molasses? What is it? Is that good quality feedstock? If it's grain, is it getting processed correctly in terms of milling? When you're mashing, are your temperatures right? Do you have the right enzymes that are going to convert the starch into fermentable sugars? Is there bacterial contamination? Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. All these different possibilities. So we ran that company for six or seven years and we found ourselves in a position of, okay, we've, we've got this company rocking and rolling. Now we're able to start to get to the point of pulling some, you know, making some good money. And, and what do we do with that capital? And here we were in the meantime, taking phone calls from some of the most famous master distillers in the world, helping them with all their problems. And whenever you go to see the doctor, you got to drop your pants in terms of telling information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't go to the doctor and tell them, Hey, I got an itch and don't tell them you just came back from Mexico. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you got to tell everything. So the distilleries start at the beginning. Here's our grain recipe. Here's what we do. Here's our temperatures. So we know everything there is to know about almost any distillery that you can name. So we're just like, Shit, we got started a distillery because we got all this information and, and it'll benefit the yeast <laughs> You'd
0: company. You've seen a lot it. of people drop their pants. That's what I'm picking up.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, figuratively <laughs> right, speaking. Right, right. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, normally whenever you're talking about yeast and people dropping their pants. <laughs> <laughs> and dropping butter, uh, Just for clarification.
0: Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but which would involve a doctor not,
4: that, not, not, not have those qualifications.
3: but anyhow uh, we started wilderness trail back in we incorporated in 2012 started distilling in 2013 a small little operation uh, off the we're, we had we have another building uptown here in danville away from what's currently the wilderness trail campus so we were making one barrel a day four days a week and Really kind of seeing this whole bourbon boom taking off. We we're, you know, communicating with a lot of the big producers. And we saw that, you know, a couple observations we made were like, oh, wow, so-and-so who used to make whiskey for this person, they're not making whiskey for them anymore. And this person's coming to us like, hey, man, do you guys know anybody that can make whiskey for us? So we had all this mass exodus of contract production from the big guys and then all these people scurrying around like who's gonna make my whiskey for me because the big guys are like hey i'm gonna double my production mm-hmm. and i'm not making for you anymore and by the way the five thousand barrels i've got stored for you you need to get another home for them so we're kind of looking at all this and again we're in one taking phone call a lot of the time and we're like man if we had a bigger distillery not only could we make more whiskey to better support a real brand But we could take advantage of some of this contract production that we're seeing. So we went from a one barrel a day operation throughout the course of two expansions from 2013 is when we started. 2016, we added an 18 inch diameter column steel. Then in 2018, we did a 36 inch column steel. So Between when we started one barrel a day, four days a week, to our last expansion completed in 2018, we went to 220 barrels a day, seven days a week. So we're running 247. We're currently, according to our math, the 14th largest bourbon producer in the world. And we just became the 18th member of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail.
0: That's crazy. Congratulations.
3: Shit's got real, real quick here. We fill a 24,000 barrel warehouse about every 30 to four months. So and we've got eight, I think eight warehouses on site and we've got six under construction right now. I
0: was going to say you guys have been working on building out even more brick houses over the next couple of years, right?
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just peddling we, metal. we picked up 125 acres. So our campus now, we went from 13 acres to 165 acre campus and we'll when we're finished building rick houses we'll have i think 19 mm. that'll be in the next two two and a half years
0: i remember listening to a conversation you're having on a different podcast and you were you were telling a story about how like when you guys first got started up it was like you and shane just kind of whatever needed to be done got done because of the seven day week operation and now you're just kind of getting to a point where it's like okay now we got some other people we can rotate in and out but that is that just speaks to me so much because uh, the theater that we're recording in right now, that is kind of a labor of love, internally built that uh, my husband and you know a few friend volunteers of ours kind of put together over the last couple of years, and just the grind of being like, okay, well if these people are out, guess I'm pulling triple duty. You know, It just that is so impressive to see how quickly you guys have grown into what you are. Congrats.
3: Yeah, I'm just glad I'm not mowing the grass here. <laughs> I gave that up about two years ago. I'm See, so like, ha-
4: signs Eisen. signs I'm of success. I'm the mower. <laughs> I'm
1: so happy you said that because, like, my least one of my least favorite things in the world is is mowing the grass anywhere and I, I i hate it well i've got you, you don't like
0: like the smell of it right mean, well, I, so
1: i have super bad like allergies like um, hay fever so like pollen's like a big and when i cut the grass i'm like it's like rough and literally you were like you were like we got all these acres i'm like god damn who, who's mowing that grass turns right. out it was pat like
0: i'm envisioning like beautiful <laughs> rolling kentucky fields and and houses, and you're like god damn I'm, the I'm, amount I'm, of I'm a leg just, ride I, need for that's that Right. i'm just imagining
1: myself <laughs> sneezing
3: yeah at any given time here now there could be 30 zero turn mowers moving Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty incredible what's happening now we keep it all nice though my goodness gracious
1: and i look at pictures all the time also we we (laughs) we have yet to be uh we've yet to be down there but i i love what i'm seeing as far as like the Mm -hmm. construction and the expansions and all that obviously we'll come down at some point but, uh, no, I've I'm following you guys since, since the, since the first time we, we talked to you and since the first time that I tasted wilderness trail, I was like, this is, this is some good stuff. And like, and I mean, you're just a pleasure to talk to as well. So, yeah,
0: you guys make a really standout bourbon and, and that's something I've thought about this a lot, like how to describe wilderness trail bourbon. Um, I personally kind of gravitate more towards that than like a, a high rye whiskey, but, the thing that speaks to me the most about this is that the first time I tasted Wilderness Trail, I was like, this is something I'm going to be able to remember effortlessly because it just has a flavor profile, like a sweetness, a richness. It's like you take all the traditional elements of a good bourbon, and then there's just like this elevated factor. So it's, it's something I enjoy a lot. It was one of my favorite gifts I received at our baby shower a couple months ago not lying. <laughs> so it's, it's something I recommend to people every opportunity I get. All right, chasers, that'll do it for now. If this was your first time tuning in, what took you so long? <laughs> All jokes aside, we're so happy to welcome you to the Cast Chasers family, and we definitely hope you'll come back for more next week. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, in short, wherever you listen to podcasts. And give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can even join our Facebook group for bonus points. And if you want even more Cast Chasers, check out our website, castchasers.org, for show notes, Cast Chaser swag, and more. Until next time you join us, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase.